66 sausages sizzling in a saucepan. I took my brace out specifically for this so I can enunciate. Very good. And you got a water there. How? It's really good to open the mouth though. How How now brown cow? It is amazing in my audio. How now brown cow? Hello, Stacey. Hi, Charlie. How are you? Oh, wow. I'm good, thanks. How are you? It's it's ridiculous to say that, isn't it? Because we spend every single minute of the day together, or we have done today. Mm-hmm. I've seen you constantly for the last 48 hours. There's absolutely no reason to say, how are you? We can pretend. We can pretend. And I'm actually quite excited, partly because you've agreed to do this episode with me. You're and, welcome. But also, we're going to split this up. We're going to do part one. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a pizza. Mm-hmm. And then Rewards. we're going to do rewards and then we're gonna do part two and part three exactly yeah lovely great plan yeah so today we're gonna do some modern british traditions yes and and we're gonna talk about them see if we actually do them and what other people around us do in regards to them yeah if we agree this is just found on a website (laughs) so let's see if we agree Sure, yeah, okay. Is it traditions or what was, they were... It was typical British modern traditions. Oh, that one, yeah. Yeah. Yes, lovely. Yeah, okay. Do you want to go straight in? Sure. Yeah, Why straight not? into it. Crack on. All right, crack on, guys. Yeah. So the first one is eating a roast dinner on Sunday. Oh, okay. A traditional roast dinner on Sunday. Do you still do that right now in your life? As a 30, can I say your age? You can. A 32-year-old spring chicken. Thanks. You as a delightfully aged woman. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means. <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay. I don't know if I'm complimenting you or trying to give you a little backhanded. Okay. Well, I think, I definitely think a roast, a Sunday roast dinner is still a big part of British norm, British tradition. It still something that happens today. It's not outdated. Do do it on a Sunday. My family pretty much have a Sunday roast every Sunday. I think we're a bit lazy, but. As in your family or you and me? You and me. Well, you're the the cook of the house. Okay, so I'm a bit lazy. It just involves a lot of pots and pans and a lot of effort for just the two of us. Do you sometimes go to the pub for a Sunday roast? It's actually a big thing in Australia because I guess the British expat community. But yeah, I would definitely say that a Sunday roast is still a relevant and up-to-date tradition. I think it's something that we're proud of almost. Like when we go to a roast or a pub, that mm-hmm. does roasts in Australia. Yeah. We have this kind of connoisseur kind of mentality mm. that we can judge a good roast. Yeah. And the Aussies, the waiters are like, oh, is it good enough? And we look down at them. And I'm going to say that Sydney has a, a good few roasts. We've had quite a few here and they've been top yeah. notch. Top notch. They've been top notch, sir. Stop it. They've okay, question good. to you though. What is your favourite roast? And what do I mean by that? She means the type of meat that you use. Typically, I would say that in England, we have a rotation of chicken, lamb and beef. And then on Christmas Day, we have a turkey. Mm-hmm. And then, well, with my household, my my mother, she was much better at giving me love 
through language and emotions rather than food. And because of that, she always just did chicken. My family doesn't do chicken very often. My brothers actually would scoff at having chicken, which is very unfortunate. The poor chickens. <laughs> well, I think they're actually happy that you're scoffing and letting them live. Very true. But yes, I think my brothers have often said that a chicken roast is a bit of a half-assed attempt at a roast dinner. Good phrase there. Half-assed. Yeah, nice. Well, sh- they're insulting And you actually my missed one because pork is very vital. Yeah, I forgot that pork. What is your favourite? Well, I think pork is actually probably up there with being my favourite because of one thing and that is that by having roast pork you get crackling and you don't have that with any other any other meat before you begin i'd like to let you know that we now have an official app released for the british english podcast you can now listen to this podcast on the new app and get all of the learning resources along with it and for those of you who are just listening on your favorite podcast app then i've got a present for you Download the app, sign up to the course called Free Podcast Worksheets, and you will find every single episode available for you to listen to along with the free worksheet for that episode. A huge resource right there waiting for you to enjoy. So go download it right now at your app store, either by typing in BEP, BEP, or the British English Podcast. Links are also in the show notes. Enjoy this episode. I got very confused with crackling the first time I had it. What? Why? Delicious. Yeah, but my parents didn't tell me about it. And then I was round a friend's house, a girl friends, not a girlfriend's. Her friend was the one that I was trying to woo. <laughs> I, I, think I, was about, <laughs> I think I was about 16. So we hadn't met yet. Don't you okay, worry. Fine. Uh, yeah, they gave me crackling and I, I, I thought it was... I thought it was to be left aside. Oh, what? And then they, the best part. Yeah, they, they did that. I, I used to actually like save it to the end because I loved it that much and I really wanted to end on crackling. What is it? Oh, it's a bit disgusting, actually. I don't know if you want to... Oh, go on. Well, I think it's, it is the skin of the pork and you basically rub salt into it and then it creates like a very hard, crispy, crackly layer. Yeah. You then break off and you have it kind of on the side of your Sunday roast. So you have yeah. the pork meat and then you have the crackling on the side. I'm very sorry for any vegans listening. This is terrible. Or veggies, yeah. <laughs> or just pig friends, yeah. friends of pigs. Uh, I mean, I love pigs. Yeah, yeah. We should know that we don't eat it very regularly. It's very true. Yeah, we, well, we don't have Sunday roasts because we're a bit lazy now. Yeah. And we're trying to save the planet by having meat every, what, three or four meals yeah sometimes more sometimes less yeah well sometimes we go a whole week or even two and i haven't eaten proper meat Mm, that would be pushing it that'd be pushing it i mean that'd be good but yeah but you have shown me a side of vegetarianism that is wonderfully delicious. delicious yeah i think some of my favorite meals today are veggie i mean we're just about to go order pizza and we'll probably order veggie pizzas just from choice is it veggie yeah, definitely. Just cheese? We we always go margarita. We're very boring. But I feel like there's a slight bit of authenticity to that. Mm, yeah, sure. Because some of our British friends like to have a meat feast, mm-hmm. have like pepperoni and sausage, sausage all sorts on the on the chicken. pizza. But we, we think that it's the best test just to go margarita. And if it's got a good dough, mm-hmm. then it's the real deal. Is this an Italian podcast? No. <laughs> 
<laughs> Talking about pizzas. Oh, yes. Well, we've sidetracked, haven't we? So we don't have it regularly because it's just us two. The Sunday roast he's talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we do, as a family, yes. we, we would have it and yeah. we're proud of it still. Yes. So and I think most of the British community still appreciate a Sunday roast. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So that's done. Number two. Number two, putting the kettle on in a crisis. I really like this one. It's a good phrase as well. Yeah. Shall I put the kettle on? Yeah, I think it's very accurate for... Yeah, I'd, I'd say this is still accurate. I'd like to like guess a percentage of British people that still do this. I'd say it's a slight generational thing, but for the most part, I'd say yes. Oh, yeah, I would like to know whether uh, like my cousins who are like early 20s, maybe even 18-year-olds, whether they, they do this. I think, mm. it, I think it still is a thing. And I had a, a colleague when I was about 24. She said to me, I don't think there's a single problem in the world that can't be solved with a good cuppa. Oh, she how lovely. In every situation, she says, I'll put the kettle on, love. You sit down, I'll get the kettle on. It's very we'll, true. It'll be all right. Yeah, that's a very accurate representation of how it goes down in a crisis. Just to be clear, though, because some countries don't even have kettles. What are we talking about? Oh, God. Okay. A kettle is a device that we use to boil water to make a cup of tea. Very good. Very good. What's your go-to cup of tea? What do you mean? What's your preferred cup of tea? Like flavour? Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, an English breakfast. Um, I'm quite oh, partial. You're so British that you didn't even consider that there are other kind of teas. No, that is a cup other of tea. Kind. Just to, I mean, if we're learning about British culture here, a cup of tea is like a builder's tea, which is an English breakfast, more bog standard version of an English breakfast, but it's a black tea that you add milk to. Right. Yeah. There's no like peppermint or green or Darjeeling Assam. You did love a Darjeeling though when I got it Lemon and ginger. Earl Grey. I mean, I am, I do like an Earl Grey. But Earl Grey, is that not a posh Okay, well, if we are, if we're talking about tea, I I feel that there's rules when it comes to tea and, yeah, drinking tea in Britain. I think we have a breakfast tea in the morning and then an Earl Grey in the afternoon. Ooh. But I think we always have it with milk. None of this lemon business in your Earl Grey. A splash of milk. Oh, I didn't know about the lemon in Earl yeah, Grey. Aussies love a bit of lemon. Ah, I heard that it's sacrilege to add milk to an Earl Grey. Oh, really? Yeah. Disagree. I went on a very, very weird experience when I was in that TV production company mm. for six months mm. when you were trying to get me over to America. Mm. A lady took me on a shoot to a, a very strange office. It was this old man and he was basically a, a hookup for other people to mm-hmm. date. He was like a dating service, but really exclusive. How strange. And he had this soundproof office and it was the most British like tea drinking kind of afternoon Ritz kind of style tea. Really, really quintessentially Ooh, British. Like yeah, he gave me an Earl Grey. Mm-hmm. And I said, do you have any milk? And he said, oh, dear boy, we don't put milk in our Earl Greys. Oh, really? Mm. Well, you know, each to their own. I quite like a little bit of milk. Yeah. So do you put it, put the kettle on in a crisis, though? Mm. Personally, perhaps not, if I'm being completely honest. However, I do still think it's a thing that British people do. I feel like my grandma definitely would put on the kettle in a crisis and yeah it's, it's kind of a reassuring thing i think a cup of tea is quite 
warming and comforting and that's what they're referring to is that they are providing a warming and comforting solution to the problem mm-hmm. yeah whenever somebody comes round, mm-hmm. would you offer them a cup of tea definitely yeah mm. that's a thing still definitely yeah yeah the part and parcel of greeting people even um if you have people coming over to like a plumber or an electrician to fix something you always offer them a cuppa the names are a cuppa brew and just a cup of tea right delicious moving on <laughs> So the next one is the ability to cue nicely. Oh, this one's very boring. So let's only make this one one minute. Yeah, I think I think British people are pretty good cuers, but I think that's where we and maybe this is a generational thing because we are definitely more impatient now. I'm a terrible cuer. I am I am livid if I have to cue for five minutes at the post office. I just wanted to check in with you about something. Are you one of those language learners who often thinks, am I actually making any progress with my English? Is what I'm doing to study actually working for me? Or am I just wasting my precious time here? Well, if you think this way, then I'd like to encourage you to take action on this. Imagine how much more motivated you would be to put time and effort into your English studies if you knew that every time you studied, you would be guaranteed to be making significant progress. How much more satisfying would that be? So what do we need to do in order to find more clarity around this issue? Well, tracking your progress is a wonderful way to show evidence of your language skills having actually improved. And to track progress, the first thing you need to do is understand what level you are currently at. If you haven't taken a level assessment recently, then I highly recommend using my free test that will instantly tell you your level of English. Once you know this, you can start tracking your progress, which comes in many forms based on personal preference and your level of English. But that's a conversation for another time. For now, though, make sure you check your level of English with my free level checker, which is available over on thebritishenglishpodcast.com slash freebies. That is thebritishenglishpodcast.com slash F-R-E-E-B-I-E-S or find it in the show notes of this episode. This might not be generational, but just subjective. You're just an impatient human. Yeah, but I think we both are. Oh, bringing me into it. (laughs) Who wants to queue? I've got better things to do with my time. I meditate in a queue. Do you? I used to. What do do people do in queues? What a great question. (laughs) I'm surprised it's not on the headline of every newspaper. I mean, I'd really like to know. Front cover. So that I find it less boring because, I mean, I just end up on my phone or... Well, that's where your four hours on Instagram goes. It's not just Instagram. It's just my general screen time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 80% Instagram. Don't judge me. (laughs) But yeah, we still queue. We still form an orderly line whenever it's possible. Apart from a pub. Mm. That's quite Yeah, maybe that's what they're referring to is that as British people, we're not happy to queue. It's just we know to form a single line formation. And I think... Maybe other cultures kind of huddle and get together, whereas we seem to kind of just understand where the queue needs to go. Yeah. Well, we form a queue in situations like you just said, where it doesn't formally need to be Mm. there, like a bus stop. Mm. If there's a couple of people, we all kind of understand a line and other cultures I don't think necessarily do that. Not 
all cultures, but you know. Hmm, it's kind of interesting. There you go. There's your one minute. Brilliant. I'm glad we didn't hang around on that one. Eating turkey on Christmas Day. Oh, I think we kind of covered this on the Sunday roast thing. Your attitude. I do not appreciate it. (laughs) Stop thinking about that pizza. Okay. Well, Christmas Day. Yes, I 100% agree with this tradition. Turkey is the main meat that is a part of a Christmas dinner. Yeah. Do you like it? I love a, a turkey. Yeah. I think Christmas wouldn't be the same without it. Even though I wouldn't. I mean, I really only eat turkey on Christmas. It's a once a year kind of thing. Yeah. Um, most people go say, say, yeah, I love the tradition, but it is a bit dry. No, it's just because you're not cooking it properly. Oh. My dad does a turkey crown. So we, so we don't usually have a whole turkey, like um, a full turkey, like how you, a chicken looks, but bigger. <laughs> Brilliant. You know, like with yeah, the yeah, legs yeah, 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 yeah. And, and everything. We have a turkey crown. So the meat has been taken off, the bones have been removed, and then it's like kind of rolled together in string and it retains its juiciness and it's delicious. Oh, yeah. I've actually seen it in the oven once. And yeah. It, it, really doesn't look like, like a, a turkey bird. no it's but it's very good i think because we also i mean we are very spoiled my dad is actually or he he used to be a chef so we're very spoiled on christmas day and we don't just have turkey which traditionally in the uk is definitely usually an exclusive turkey kind of day however in my family's household like last year for example we had turkey beef and lamb i think really saving the planet there yeah yeah carnivorous day but yeah so we have a turkey crown because it's a little bit smaller whereas an actual full turkey can feed like 10 i don't even know how many people but a lot of people yeah and that's on the 25th of december Mm -hmm. for brits and then on the 26th we call it boxing day Mm -hmm. and we normally have some ham Mm, do you yeah oh yeah i suppose i have ham Yeah, ham and potatoes or leftovers from the Christmas dinner. Yeah, my dad makes an epic soup where he literally just bungs all of the stuff like the turkey and the veg. You just said the best verb of the day. Did I? Bung. Bung. He just bungs that in something. (laughs) Very informal. Congratulations. (laughs) You earned yourself a pizza. Oh, brilliant. Can't wait. Yeah, the soup is sensational. So He also goes over the top with the amount of cheeses that he buys, doesn't he? Well, that's actually my mum's doing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm, my mum loves a bit of a cheese purchase at Christmas time. She spends a lot. Yeah, the the cheesemonger is a very happy man. <laughs> <laughs> Again, a good noun, cheesemonger. <laughs> You're full of it. That's what I'm here for. Full of turkey on Christmas Day, full of vocabulary today. Uh, the next one is having an avid interest in the weather at all times. Oh, God, I hate this one. You chose all of them. No, but I just mean I hate that British people do this. Oh, right. I hate that. I, I completely agree with it. I think it is, to be honest, it would be the top topic of discussion. In it kind of, I guess, small talk, I would say that the weather is British people's favourite small talk topic. And I guess it's because it's easy to address... You can say like, oh, gosh, hasn't it rained a lot recently? Or when's this rain ever going to stop, eh? Or Yeah, it's one thing that everyone can talk about relate without to. relate to that's not controversial. True, yeah. And I mean, it's weird because the climate is fairly neutral. Like it's it's fairly rainy and maybe a little bit warm but and a little bit cold depending on the season. But it's not the extremes that we've experienced in other countries where it's like snowing and minus 30 in the, in the winter and then mm. 
mm. boiling hot in the summer. Mm. So there's there's not that much climate difference throughout the year. You might be outdated because this year the UK experienced true. 41 degrees. True, true. Without global warming, I'm talking about, but there is quite a variation in how the day-to-day weather goes. In Aus- in Australia, it's it's sunny a lot of the time. Yeah, so what, you think it's just boring to report on the... A little bit. When I talk to an Aussie and I'm like, what a great day it is. They're like, uh, yeah, I'm like, all right. I mean, <laughs> I know I need to get a new topic of conversation. But... <laughs> You're so British. <laughs> Walking around Australia trying to talk about the weather. But I think Brits appreciate good weather because we don't get it very much. Yes, I guess it's less reliable. So we, yeah, we do appreciate it. And, and I like uh, that. Yes. Yeah, good. I like that you like that. Yeah. And I read a, a book, I think, did, yeah, I actually did read this one. Yeah. Oh. Normally I listen to them. A, a book on British culture oh. by Kate Fox. Oh, lovely. And she says her idea of this, why we do this so much is because it's our way of signaling what mood we're in. Oh, okay. So if we say what a rubbish day, what like how rainy it is or whatever, we're showing that we're in a negative mood. Wow, I've never heard of that before, but I quite well, like it. Yeah? Yeah. Do you feel like it is true for you? Yeah, kind of. I guess it's the, yeah, how, how you're seeing the day, if yeah. you're seeing it positively or negatively. Yeah. I like it. And the recipient mm-hmm. can decide whether to agree with it or disagree. Mm, okay. And would if I was to say it's a negative day, yeah. like bad weather. I'd probably play devil's advocate and disagree. Well, this is the thing. In British culture, we don't really go straight for the jugular in terms of directness, do we? No. We're beat around the bush. Very good. Another slice <laughs> of pizza for you. Almost a whole pizza. Yeah, almost. But my point is that it's up to the individual to choose how direct they are with rejecting that negativity or accepting it. Hmm. And then the opposite as well. Nice. No more. No. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> How long can you talk about weather for? Well, not long when you're the my partner. <laughs> Giving you a great little psychological thing and you're like, next. <laughs> we should set a timer cap on each <laughs> each one. All right, we'll set a two minute timer for the next one. Eating fish and chips on a Friday. Oh, we can do this in less than two minutes. I think that fish and chips is not just for Fridays. It's every day. It's not every day. It's definitely more of a weekend treat, I would say. I did actually used to work with one lady. I don't think I can judge all British culture based on one ex-colleague, but she did used to have a takeaway on a Friday. It's a fact. It's a fact. So therefore, yes, British people do have takeaways on Fridays. I I was just about to say that I've never heard of this. Oh, really? But I did actually, I do actually remember now when I was a child, I used to go around a friend's house called Craig and his parents used to send us off to the chippy for with five quid per person. Oh, nice. And we come if back. If only and, it was still that price. Yeah. And uh, we'd scoff our fish and chips in the newspaper Ooh, thing. That's, I don't that's think... quite a cultural thing, isn't it? Wrapping it in newspaper. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if everyone's aware of that and... I don't know if it's still a real thing in your village where your parents live. Is it still wrapped in newspaper? It's not newspaper. It's, it's a like similar kind paper, of paper, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But it, I have been to one, I think with you, where it was newspaper. I think that they almost have a wrapping that looks like newspaper, but it's just to create this nostalgic view that, um, yeah, that, that fish and chips is wrapped in newspaper. But uh, yeah, in my 
town where my family live in the west of the UK, uh, we still do have proper newspaper, like a current day's newspaper, like the Sunday Times or the Sun or the Guardian. Sorry, they wrap it in newspaper there? Yeah, we do have a, a layer of parchment for hygienic reasons and then they wrap it in newspaper. Do you know why they wrap them? In newspaper, or they used to wrap them in newspaper? No, but I'd no? love to know why. Tell me more. I, I thought you would actually know. <laughs> I need to find out myself now. Okay, bear with. I'm sure it was just for cost-effective repurposing. It was probably environmentally friendly before it was a thing to be recycling. So, yeah, you're right. It was cost-effective. Mm-hmm. But it was also because it was a good way to soak up any excess grease from the fish. Oh. Yeah, it is a greasy meal. The newspaper does soak it up, doesn't it? Very true. Yeah. I'm glad I learned that. And then it was stopped after realising that it was giving us poisoning. Oh, lovely. From the ink. Wonderful. No, I kind of made that up, but they also said it's, they did state that it was unhygienic for obvious reasons, I imagine. My town back where my family lived definitely are still poisoning. Themselves. Themselves, yes. Yes. Remember. That this episode, just like every single other episode on this show, comes with a free worksheet where you get to see some of the best native expressions that come up in this very episode, along with definitions made for you, a non-native learner. I've even designed it so that you can play the podcast episode on the same page as the free worksheet. It's super user-friendly, so head over to thebritishenglishpodcast.com right now and check out the free podcast worksheets or simply click on the link that says free podcast worksheets in the show notes of this episode. How often do you have fish and chips? Oh, I love a fish and chips. I, that's not the question. Answer. In the last year, I've had it maybe five times. Five? Okay. We have some good fish and chips here. And it's and we're in Sydney. Yeah, so we are on the water, so we can trust that the fish is fresh. Very true. Although in the UK, we have cod or haddock or place, whereas here, they love a bit of barramundi. Very good. Yes. And would you say that's a good tip to, uh, which is probably obvious for all countries, but don't have fish inland mm, i mean probably a good tip yes but uh the uk is quite small the uk is yeah i mean doesn't take that long to get the most inland place of the uk from the coast so i'd say the uk is pretty good but definitely yorkshire i think actually is the best fish and chips i've ever had oh yeah i think yorkshire i think i went to whitby with my friend charlie who lives up in north yorkshire and i can confirm that whitby was delicious right whitby is a re- uh, the name of the fish and chips or a place it's a place. It's a so tiny the place little, is delicious. The place is delicious. Yeah. Yummy, yummy, yummy. It is on the seaside. Okay. Do you want to say the name of the fish and chips? No idea. <laughs> That's not the name. That's Whitby Stacey's. Fish and Chips. If you Google it, if you're ever in the north of Yorkshire, you just Google Whitby Fish and Chips and have any there and I'm sure they'll all be great. But the probability of somebody listening to this living near there is actually possible okay i'm very sorry but if you own a whitby fish and chip no shop. <laughs> not, not who own it they wouldn't be listening to this they're probably british well they might be they might yeah they might be but i'm meaning the the people listening to this might be in yorkshire do you want me to search it go on then yeah whitby fish and chips okay brilliant that doesn't help there's at least 20 to choose from i will just go with the most highly rated i reckon i went there Magpie Cafe. And the latest comment was brilliant fish and chips. Brilliant. Yeah. There we go, guys. 
go and get yourself some magpie fish and chips. Don't go to Whitby Scampy Shack. That's only got a 2.2 rating. Oh. Yeah. What if they've just started and they had a... Yeah, true. You might feel sorry for them. So you have fish and chips five times a year on average at the moment outside of the UK. Yes. I would like it more, but it's not the healthiest of options. And I'm trying to currently be a bit healthy. So Fair it's a struggle. I have just gotten into fish, haven't I? It's a stretch, but yes. Yeah, it's a good phrase. I don't like the attitude, but it's a good phrase. So I'll allow it. Uh, but I've done well recently because I was raised on a very limited palate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have... you're not a fish eating family. No. Although my parents did eat it a couple of times, but my sisters were very complainy or Mm. complained a lot about food. And so and I probably did as well. Anyway, I didn't have fish until I was an adult and it's taken me... And now you quite like it as long as it's battered. Covered in batter, yes. So as soon as it tastes a bit seafood-like, then I gag a little Mm. bit. You've had oysters recently. Had oysters recently. I have sushi from time to time. And now I'm having fish with my fish and chips because I used to just have a jumbo sausage. Battered. Battered. (laughs) It's a very British thing, actually. It is, isn't it? A battered sausage. Yeah. Kind of like a corn dog in America. Okay. Yeah. For Americans out there, have you ever had a battered Mars bar? No. Because that's disgusting. That's a thing in chip shops. No. It is. This is not tradition. It's modern. Modern tradition. Uh, no, it's not tradition, but it's a possibility. And I've had it in a chip shop in the UK before. Sounds like a heart attack. It's actually a bit like a poo. No. <laughs> it does taste a bit like a poo. It doesn't taste like a poo. What is you talking about? No, it looks like a poo and the texture is quite pooey because it's melted. When inside. have you... What is wrong with your bowel movements? Oh. <laughs> Moving on. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, I like the next one. Oh, it's it's jumping a few. I'll come back to it. No, I'll do it now. Dunking biscuits in tea. Oh, this is the best one, definitely. This is up there with the most, I don't know, the most current or not even current, but just a very accurate British tradition. Okay. I do not know a single British person that doesn't dunk a biscuit in a cup of tea. You don't even drink tea. And you will get a biscuit and dunk it in my tea just so that you can have the dunkability of a biscuit. (laughs) A dunk in a cup of tea improves any biscuit, no matter how bland. Like when your granny used to give you a rich tea that is like basically cardboard, you dunk it in a cup of tea and it just turns to moist mush and it's delightful. What's a bit disgusting though is when you get a digestive and you put it in too long. Yeah, or a rich tea. Yeah, both Uh, both of them. Or a bourbon. Bourbon? Bon? Mm. Bourbon? Yes, that's the right one. That was fun. <laughs> or a custard cream or a jammy dodger. Jammy dodgers. I used Biscuits to... Biscuits are endless. I used to get through a whole pack of jammy dodgers in one sitting easily. How are you not fat? Yeah, this is my favourite. I would happily dunk. When I was writing my dissertation, I would get through a whole pack of biscuits in one cup of tea and just continue to dunk. I wouldn't eat any meals, but I'd just dunk biscuits. I'm sure you'll pass this with flying colours, this test that I'm about to do for you. But um, if you weren't able to use that verb, to dunk, Mm -hmm. what verb would you use? Dip. Yes, another one. I'm stuck. (laughs) Put. No. Put in. Put a biscuit in liquid. Leave it for a little bit until it gets a bit soggy. Oh, soggy. That's a good word. Soggy. Slightly moist. Moist. Slightly l- l- between liquid and solid. 
Mm, sure. Yeah. Soggy is a great one, though. Yeah. No one wants a fully soggy biscuit. You just got to slightly sog it. That's not a thing. You can't say that. Don't don't use that. Slightly sog it. You can't <laughs> say that. It's only an adjective. Soggy biscuit is great, mm-hmm. and we love it. Yeah. Fair enough. Making me want a cup of tea. Uh, we're going back to the one before last. Pancake flipping on Shrove Tuesday. Mm, but I think this is actually more cultures than just British. But yes, we do do it. I think it's just based around Christianity, isn't it? Yeah, but I don't know if Catholics do it. But I they mean, Americans definitely flip. Pan- oh, no, they don't actually. No, I can remember when we were in America, we used to make it out a big thing that it was Pancake Tuesday. Pancake Day, even. Uh, yeah, I think it is a British thing. And yes, it's a I mean, it's not something that we do day to day. Obviously, it happens once a year, but um, it is definitely something that if you pop on social media, all of your mates will be doing it and they make a a big thing out of it. If you can flip a pancake successfully without dropping it on the floor or sticking it to the ceiling, then you are winning. Update regarding the cultures. It is celebrated in English-speaking countries like the UK, Ireland, Australia and Canada, in France, the USA and other countries. It is called Mardi Gras or Fat Tuesday. In others like Spain, Italy or Brazil, Shrove Tuesday is at the end of Carnival. On this day, many people eat pancakes, thin, flat cakes made in a pan, (laughs) which was when I realised that it's called pancake for that reason, made in a pan. But um. Isn't it annoying when you see the social media, because we're in Australia, we're a day ahead, kind of. Mm-hmm. You see the social media of somebody making a pancake mm-hmm. and it's already Wednesday for us. And yeah. we forgot Pancake oh, yeah. Tuesday. Yeah. Well, Pancake Day. Show pancake Tuesday. Day. Yeah, Show Tuesday. And for non-Christians, mm-hmm. I think it would be fair to say that statement. Um, do you know why we do Pancake Day? What it's for? Oh, I don't actually. Oh. Uh, Go on, is it, have a stab in the dark. It is. I think it's using up the pantry. I think it's the same kind of concept as Fat Tuesday in America, where you're using up the leftovers or the last remains of your uh, pantry, being the flour and everything, because you're about to fast for Lent. Very good. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Good Christian. You're a great Christian. <laughs> yeah. There we go. That was Pancake um, Shrove Tuesday, mm-hmm. Pancake Day in general do you flip them mm. in the air like a brave man i'm a bit of a woman i'm a bit of a wuss and i i prefer food over like the loss of a pancake would be too traumatic for me so i don't typically risk it unless it's for the peer pressure or the social media content yes you don't risk it for a biscuit mm. <laughs> exactly Okay, fair enough. I do. We're coming towards the end of part one, though. Oh, really? Oh, maybe maybe I could do part two then. Yeah, okay. I'll end with one more. Okay, so being proud of your garden. I thought you were about to say girlfriend then. Being proud of your girlfriend. For helping you with this podcast. Proud of that verb you used, bung. (laughs) Bung anything in it. Um, Are you proud of your garden? Well, we have two balconies that have zero amount of lawn on them. Yeah, that's true. Let's say if you have a garden and also maybe let's... So let's refer to maybe our parents because they have gardens. Yes. My parents are very proud of their garden. They spend a lot of time and money on it. Mm -hmm. Yes. My parents also, although they have a, a slightly smaller garden, I would say they are also very proud of it. I mean, my dad... 
uh, works at a garden centre. Yeah, a bit biased, this anecdote. What do you mean? Well, he works at a garden centre, so obviously he's going to be focused on gardens a bit more. Yeah, he went to, um, I need to get this right, the Chelsea Flower Show and exhibited at, I'm pretty sure he exhibited or helped exhibit, was a part of one of the exhibitions at the Chelsea Flower Show. He exhibited at the Chelsea Flower Show, which is where the Queen goes to. Mm, And where all of the beautiful gardens are. It's like if you're a garden architect. Wow. Yeah. Do you know when it exhibits or when it's on? Say it's spring. I have no idea, but that would be my guess. Okay. But yeah, Yeah. quite a nice show to go to. So yes, I do think um, my grandma, very garden proud. I think it's a generational thing. So I think uh, perhaps when we get to the stage of our lives where we have a garden, we will also be very garden proud. Yeah. I think I can imagine you having like a veggie patch. Oh, no, I don't think so. Yeah, I think you'd be a right geek. No, no, I don't think I'll do that. Really? No, I see why you said that because I'm a bit of a geek anyway. But no, I don't think that will be me. Mm. Anyway. Watch this space. Yeah, watch this space or don't. That would be (laughs) very boring to watch. (laughs) I understand the idea of a lawn going back in history, Mm -hmm. going back, going back in time, was respected as an incredibly wealthy part of society or wealthy signaling, basically, because it's excess land that's not for farming. Wow. And it's, you need extra resources like water to keep it very green and luscious. So it was, it was part of, I think it was part of royalty and the nobles, they had lawn to show off that they had the capability to keep up a green, a luscious green meadow or no, not meadow, luscious green lawn, lawn. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. How interesting. So there you go. Your parents are noblemen. So are yours. Yeah. Got a spectacular lawn. Quite hard work for my dad. He's, is he 70? How old is my dad 70. 71. No, 70. 70. So that's the end of part one. We're going to go have a pizza now Mm -hmm. and then we're going to come back to part two and three. So maybe say goodbye to part one listeners, but obviously encourage them to come back to part two and three. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Goodbye, part one listeners. If you want to come back to part two or part three, we're going to discuss some really fun things like how Charlie plays with his conkers and... It's not what you think. Where this derives from. Oh, no, he didn't. (laughs) What? Oh, no, he didn't. Oh, yes, he did. Do you mean like she's behind you yeah ah so if you want to know what that is all about yeah come back yeah very very good (laughs) okay cool thank you very much yeah i owe you a pizza yum see you guys part two or next week bye Thank you very much for listening up to this point. If you did want to listen to part two and part three of this conversation, then you can head over to the BritishEnglishPodcast.com and check out the premium podcast or academy memberships. The premium podcast gives you access to the full conversation along with extended glossaries, transcripts and flashcards, whereas the academy gives you all of that plus exclusive videos and audios for the season-based episodes, explaining the vocabulary, exampling them, giving you quizzes, writing assignments, and 
weekly speaking classes on Zoom. But if you were just here for part one of this conversation, then I thank you very much for stopping by. I hope you enjoyed the show. Do grab that free worksheet by clicking the link in the show notes. My name's Charlie, and I will see you next week on the British English Podcast. <laughs>